1: Three, two, one, zero.
0: Hello, welcome to episode 160 Debt Free Doctor. Hey, Money Clan, a very warm welcome to another episode of the Chain of Wealth podcast. I'm your host, Dennis O'Brien.
2: And I'm Katie Walsh.
0: So, Katie, really fun conversation we had today, and a little bit of a different story to what we normally have here. So, our guest today is a doctor, as the title gives away, but he had a really interesting money story and pay back a ton of debt.
2: Yeah, it's really, really refreshing because we always hear how doctors kind of fall victim to the lifestyle creep and they graduate from college and then they go out and they spend a whole bunch of money and this is quite refreshing, I feel.
0: Yeah, and you know, like he, he was a really down-to-earth person. We absolutely loved having him on the show. And yeah, so just before we dive right into our episode, if you guys haven't already, we'd love if you joined our Facebook community. Head on over to slash group. We're having a ton of fun with people in the group. So definitely come in and say hi. All right, Kate, you ready to dive in? Yes. Fantastic. Let's do it.
3: Welcome to Chain of Wealth. Here's your host, Dennis, inspiring you to begin your journey of financial freedom.
0: Today, we have Jeffrey Anselon, who is a doctor that writes at DebtFreeDoctor.com. Becoming a doctor involves spending a ton of money to get qualified. Jeff was over $300,000 in debt when he started out. Welcome, Jeff.
2: Hey, Jeff.
3: Hey, thanks for having me on the show with you guys.
2: Yeah, of course. So, I wanted to kick off the show and just ask, obviously, the quick question, like, what comprises the $300,000 worth of debt was it? my mind immediately goes to medical school, but was it just that any of that, what was going on?
3: Well, um, long story short, I, uh, I actually went to dental school and after dental school, I got out and I did a uh, surgery residency and wanted to always come back to work in my hometown of Louisiana. Um, you know, I have family, friends there. So I started talking to a group to to join. And over the over my four years of training after dental school, I will, you know, occasionally would talk to them and they said, hey, you know, when you get done, you can come in, you can work with us. And, you know, so I always during my training counted on them as, counted on that as a job. So I acquired about 250, almost $300,000 worth of student loan debt between dental school and my residency. And unfortunately, about two weeks before my graduation date, I called them, I told them, hey, you know, look, here's my graduation date. You know, it's like a Saturday. You know, I can pack up the U-Haul and and I'll be ready to work, you know, Monday morning. And there was like silence on the line. And I, and I thought we had lost our connection, but the uh, main person, the main partner came back and and to be honest with you, I really don't know exactly what he said because I was so shocked. But he basically said they were having some issues, both with the business and personally with the group. And they were not going to be taking on anybody new at that time. No. Yeah.
2: So what did so, you do?
3: So, so the bad part about it is, you know, had all that debt. We had already purchased a home that was a couple hundred thousand dollars interest only. So I guess it would you know, that's about $500,000 worth of debt. I guess when you add that in, I had a two-month-old and now didn't have a job and didn't have a clue how to start a practice. So it was a bit stressful, as you can imagine. I was able to network with another specialist in my hometown that just gave me space to rent, and that was about it. So I just had to start from scratch, kind of learning the ropes from him. And the funny thing is, I used to have in high school and college a lawn service. So actually, I went back to several of the, my old customers and, and mowed yards on the side while you know trying to make ends meet. So uh, I'll never forget. I knocked on the door of one lady and I said, "Hey, you know, you remember me?" She said, "Oh, yeah, I remember you." And said, um, "Just wondering if you wouldn't mind me mowing your yard this summer." She's like, "Aren't you a doctor now?" And I was like, "Yeah, but I'm broke." <laughs> That is crazy. No, I
2: have (laughs) never heard a story like that.
3: Well, you know, I'm glad that I could uh, help you out in that category then. (laughs) Yeah, talk about
2: humble beginnings. (laughs) Usually we hear the opposite where doctors graduate from college and they're like, Oh, I'm a doctor now and I am making bank and I am going to go and spend all kinds of money.
3: So yeah, I I completely changed. I mean, within a phone call, I completely changed my view. That that literally just shifted everything from I'm going to be set. I'm going to be making all this money. I'm going to be I'm going to go on vacations. I'm going to get the hunting camp. I'm going to do this and that to survival mode.
0: It's amazing how a phone call can make that much of a difference, though. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. (laughs) That's crazy. So I know we were chatting a little bit about a a little bit before the show about um like blogging and stuff like that, and. One of the things that you speak a little bit about your blog is becoming debt free and how important it is to become debt free forever. So, what did your journey look like trying to pay back all this debt, like right after you, you know, like we struggled to get a job just being a regular doctor?
3: Well, luckily during my residency um, program, I was flipping through radio channels and I stumbled across a radio show by the name of The Dave Ramsey Show. And and I started listening to him and, and listened to his principles, but I really didn't pay much attention to it because at that time I was, you know, I had a job secured or so I thought, but luckily I had listened to it enough to where once I did start making a little bit of money with, with the multiple jobs, started working at other people's offices, mowing yards, plus building my own practice. And when I got to, you know, start building a little bit and snowballing, I used his principles you know, we, I saved up a little bit money in emergency fund because at that time, literally everything was emergency to us, you know, and then I just started and and I still have my dry erase board in my office at home. And I, and I listed I had several different student loans, um, some private loans that were more uh, higher interest, some uh, subsidized, unsubsidized. And I just listed them out, like he says, smallest to largest. And I just every every extra penny I could throw at it. I would throw at that small one, paying minimum on everything else. And then once that was done, you know, and I kind of got excited and, you know, hey, I've got more money to throw at the next one. And then just so on and so forth until uh, I went through all of the um, uh, all of the, uh, the student loans. Um, luckily, we we already had some paid for vehicles that we were driving at that time, some old, you know, older cars. But that was really the only debt besides the home at that time. So that's that's kind of how I started the process.
0: So how long did that take you to pay it off?
3: The student loans once, you know, I, I didn't really start doing anything till probably about a year and a half of working. So I, they were just put them on um, kind of a hardship deferral sort of thing. You know, I, I called the people and told them what was going on. So after about a year and a half, I started. Then from that point on at four and a half, five years, but the cool thing about that was once I finished paying them off, I was able to take that huge chunk of money and then was able to to pay off the house a few years ago, too. So uh, that was a, a really good feeling.
2: Well, first off, congratulations. That is Thank huge. You. I just paid off my student loan a few weeks ago. So awesome. I I totally get that feeling of finally having your student loan paid off. Absolutely. But I wanted to ask the the real truth behind you talk about on your blog building a seven figure net worth and I wanted to kind of get your insight into that because quite frankly I never really thought about having a seven figure net worth. What did you do to get to that point?
3: Well, I had a little bit different take on on Dave Ramsey's principles. I'm I'm a very organized person. I didn't want to completely quit investing as I was paying off my debt because I knew it was going to take me longer than the average person. So literally from day 1 whenever I, you know, started making a little bit of money, I started investing and because I didn't want to miss out on the compound interest. So uh, I just I just opened up and I really didn't know much about investing back then at all. I just had in the past a Vanguard account. So i opened up a Vanguard account and we just started just doing some traditional IRAs at that time. That's all we could really you know, afford, both my wife and I. She works for me. So we started doing that. And as the income started to increase and I was able to pay more on my student loan debts, I also increased. So we went from a traditional IRA for both of us to a simple IRA for both of us. So instead of, you know, able to save $5,000 a year in each IRA at that time, yeah, you know, we bumped it up to a simple, which was around eleven thousand five hundred at that time, which is more now. So we started. I started doing that, and then as I was able to fully fund those, then I just um, started doing some. I had a health savings account, five twenty nine plans, and then I started just in just a couple of basic index funds. Um, mainly, you know, the majority of our money is in the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index Admiral Fund, and I think the key for me and probably for the majority of your listeners to do, with me, I'm self-employed, so it's a little bit different. So if if the majority of the, your listeners are employees, you kind of know that when you get your check, probably majority of the people have the taxes already taken out and have maybe the 401k deductions or or whatever else, health insurance taken out. So you learn to live off of that extra money, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So with me, I, I didn't, I don't, I don't have that. You know, the people that are self-employed. So I had to get organized enough to have it done. Uh, at first, I started having having money taken out of our account every month. <laughs> but to be honest with you, it started to really get so large. I, I, it kind of made me a little nervous. So I actually broke it up, and to now I have money taken out every single week. So it doesn't. It's not as you know. It's still the same amount of money, I know. But just kind of psychologically, it it um, it, it kind of helps the budget and helps the cash flow a little bit better. You know, it's just it's just just I'm just going to throw a number out there. So you know, instead of having somebody that that takes ten thousand dollars a month out of their account at the end of the month, well, you know, you could break it up into twenty five hundred dollars a week. So you see how that kind of just helps the cash flow. So, and, and it's always been automated like that. So as The more money that I've made, the more that I have, you know, automatically invested. And then one day I just looked up and I was like, Hey, you know, we're, we have a seven figure net worth now. So it wasn't like really something that I was just like, Hey, I've got to become a millionaire. It was just something that's kind of happened just from those principles. Um, I just recently read the book, Everyday Millionaires by Chris Hogan. It's a great book. And they studied over 10,000 millionaires and, The majority of them didn't make $100,000 a year. Uh, The majority of those millionaires were just people that have worked at their jobs for, you know, 25, 30, 40 years. And just every year, they've put money in their 401k, you know, slowly but surely, you know, kind of like the the tortoise and the hare, you know, the, the tortoise wins the race, just slow and steady, compound interest, not get rich quick. And those were the majority of the millionaires that that they interviewed, which I thought was pretty cool.
2: I also really like those type of books and also a good book that I've read that author out there is The Millionaire Next Door. Mm-hmm. And it's just being conscious of your money and paying attention. And like you said, they're slow and steady will win the race. It doesn't have to be, you know, only... <laughs> Only doctors <laughs> become millionaires.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's <laughs> usually
2: um, what you hear. It, was, but it, it can be regular people.
3: And, and actually in that book, uh, The Millionaire Next Door, uh, actually I read it when I was a senior in college, when it was released kind of in the mid-90s. I'm kind of showing my age now. but um, And I didn't really pay much attention to it. But in the book, uh, they kind of like dog out the doctors, the physicians, about how they really aren't smart with their money, yeah. And, and this was this they you know they they went through they researched it. You know this wasn't their opinion. This was fact. And and the majority of the doctors, you know, hey, they made a lot of money, but uh, they spent a lot of money. So, you know, what's what's the point if you're going to make a lot of money and spend a lot if if you don't save to provide for your retirement or your family in the future?
0: If I remember correctly, the way that they phrased it is that. Professionals typically have a high
3: consumption lifestyle. Yeah.
2: <laughs> How did that make you feel?
3: Well, I mean, I could definitely see it because I mean, I had, I had, and I have now so many friends that make a really good six figure income, but they're broke. They have no money. And, and, and I know this for a fact because I talk with them now. I'm a, actually, I'm a certified uh, Dave Ramsey certified financial coach now. So a lot of them are coming to me to, Ask me questions because they know I blog, they know I do this. And I mean, they have nothing. I mean, they couldn't write a check for a thousand dollars if their car broke down. And it, it's it's sad. Really? Yeah. And and those are really the people that I want to help because they're just they almost feel like, hey, you know, they've delayed all this gratification in, in medical school and residency, dental school and residency. And they get out. You know, think about it, you get out in your mid thirties and all your friends have houses, cars, country club memberships, and you're like, okay. Well, I want all that. I'm a doctor. Yeah, but but you start so late in life, and then you start so far behind the, the eight ball because you've got all this debt. So I mean, if if I would have cut mowing yards, I didn't start practicing until I was 31. So those 10 years, just think about the the money and the, the what I could have invested in with with no student loan debt. So you're, I would have been so far ahead of of where I'd have started when I started practice, practicing when I was 31. So people don't realize that, I mean, you have a huge negative net worth. Typically, you know, for, the, for the, the regular person without rich parents that pay for it all. So you have such a huge negative net worth. And I think if people would, when they get out, and I never did until just a few years ago, I never focused on my net worth. So if you graduate and you go, okay, I have a $400,000 net worth and you start paying attention to it. And I, th- I think that you'll get out of debt quicker and you'll become a, you know, have a seven figure net worth just, just because you're being intentional about it and you're paying attention to it.
0: You know, it's, it's funny you say that, um, So when Kate moved in with me, it was sort of that realization as well, when she realized she was $200,000 in the hole and she didn't have a job.
2: First, I'd like to just point out, though, (laughs) okay, before we start, in The Millionaire Next Door, I would like to point out that teachers are more likely to have money in the long
0: run. That's true.
2: Okay? Okay. So we're going to start with that. You can go ahead now.
0: Right. So... Yeah, like she, she had this realization that she was so far in debt and everything else, and it was, it wasn't intentional debt. It was, and it was for the most part, it was a good debt, you know, it's her student loan. But like as a teacher, she really struggled to sort of have that extra money every month to kind of make that payment. And but however, point I'm getting to is she sort of made that realization, and she became determined, and she made it her sole focus to pay off that debt as quickly as possible. And she managed to reach her goal in two years. Wow. Now granted, it wasn't a full two hundred thousand dollars of strict debts, like she had a house that was worth a hundred thousand and you know, like big student loan. She had a like a, a bad car loan. But the fact is if you set your mind to something, just sort of getting that first step and then that second step, the first two steps you take are the hardest. And once you're going, you'll be running before you know it. Definitely.
3: Yep. You're you're exactly right.
0: So Pivoting on that, so speaking about another one of your um, almost principles, why is relying on a single stream of income so bad? And do you have any tips for our listeners as to how they could set up additional streams?
3: Yeah, I mean, the, 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 worst, uh, the worst number really in business is the number one, which you would think it's not. But kind of like if you put all your eggs in one basket, you put all your money in one investment, i.e. Enron, you know. Or you, or you rely on one particular area for clients, for patients. And to answer your question, if you're just relying on just one income, well, what happens if that dries up or something happens, you get hurt or whatever. So my advice would be as you're practicing your trade or whatever you do, if you have any other interests, like if you like to blog or if you like real estate or if you like maybe selling stuff online or, you know, teaching people to do, you know, whatever. I would focus on doing that, and and there's so much out there that you can get online to help you for free. Uh, you know, that's that's what I did with uh, with the Debt Free Dr blog, uh, DebtFreeDR.com blog that I started. I just started researching it online, and um, so so now um, as it's growing and and other things are growing. I've met other people through that that have helped me with other sources of passive income as well. So um just I encourage you to find what you like to do. Don't do something just because somebody else is doing it if you don't like it. Well, I mean what's what's the point you're going to be miserable.
2: Yeah, especially because we were also speaking before the show that blogging although we all enjoy it, it is quite time consuming. It's not a you know I'm going to sit down for one afternoon and then it's done. It is it can be a little intense in the beginning when you're first figuring out how to do it.
3: Yeah, you're exactly right. But, you know, we, we we love to do it. And I know you guys love to do it. So as long as you love to do it, it's not a job, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, and I think that that's the secret. <laughs> it's, a, it's a
2: nice way to yeah. spend your Saturday and Sunday afternoon instead of being miserable.
3: <laughs> yeah. And actually, I, I do most of my uh, writing most of my blog posts in between patients. So it just it kind of helps the day go by a lot faster.
2: That makes me not feel as bad when I am writing a blog post on my planning period.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So I actually I set up um, one of those, you know, those very desk that that raise up so I don't have to sit down the whole time. And I've got two computer screens. So I kind of have a little system down so it it flows me well.
2: Good for you. So pivoting back to the debt and everything, do you think that anybody is able to achieve financial independence?
3: Yeah. I mean, if, if once, once somebody read, if you, if you read the millionaire next door and then they actually wrote a new one, I think in 04, they updated it. It's more, as you know, facts and figures. And again, it talks about the majority of the millionaires are just regular people Mm -hmm. that make, you know, 60, 70,000 a year and then when you compare it to and then if if you read that one first then i would encourage you to read chris hogan's book next everyday millionaires it gives you facts but it also is is very inspirational it basically tells you hey look look what these people achieved to to do to get to financially independent you can too especially you know doctors and other high paying jobs you know maybe attorneys uh people like that I mean, there's no excuse for us because our income potential is so much higher than the everyday millionaire. So there's no excuse, you know? Yeah. So um it, it just it just depends on what if, if that's if that's what you want to do. Now some people they don't want to do that. Some people want to work their whole life and they don't care, they have a lot of debt and it's just not, you know, it's it's not them. But to me, it's it's nice to be to the point where you're working because you don't have to. You're working because you want to and at any point you can walk away mm-hmm. that's financial freedom you know right yeah
0: that's exactly it totally agree with you money clan we're just going to take a quick break and then we'll dive right back into the value link round, guys if you're trying to get your retirement in order and you are earning quite a bit of money think about setting up a qrp we spoke about it in a couple of previous episodes with damian lupo so if you haven't already definitely check out that episode you can sign up for a free book by going to com slash qrp. Okay. So
2: we have questions that we like to ask all of our guests. So I just wanted to pick your brain a little bit about mm-hmm. your saving and retirement plan. So what are you doing?
3: So as far as my investing, I um, we have an uh, office retirement plan that we have, a uh, 401k for myself, my wife and my um, employees. And then after that, we have, we've always had a 529 plans for our kids. Uh, we had a health savings account when we had health insurance. But last year, uh, we switched to MediShare, which is a Christian health uh, sh- uh, sharing organization because our insurance premium crept up to 1600 a month. And once we switched to Metashare, it dropped down to three hundred a month.
0: that is insane
3: yeah, so um with Metashare and Samaritan and those other types of organizations like that, as of now, you cannot have a self- health savings account with it like you can a high deductible insurance plan so I actually I just took the difference that I was paying you know the sixteen hundred minus three hundred so I took that extra thirteen hundred a month and then uh you know that. With other money, I put into just boring Vanguard uh, index funds. So um, after after all the tax advantage accounts are funded, then I go to um, you know the, the 529 and then the index funds. I do have some real estate crowdfunding that I've done in the past. Uh, I Did some with realty shares and patch of land, but um, my most successful ones are a couple of apartment syndication deals that I've done with uh are you familiar with Joe Fairless?
0: No, we're not.
3: Okay. Joe Fairless F A I R L E S S. Um his his website is joefairless.com. He has um the largest real estate podcast in the country. So, um he's actually had me on his podcast a couple of times, but he's a very good resource if if you're interested in real estate, that along with the Bigger Pockets podcast as well. So that that's pretty much the majority of the investments that we are currently doing now.
0: Fantastic. And do you have a favorite book you're currently reading or one that you read recently? I know we've discussed a couple during the show.
3: <laughs> I really liked if you're only if if you're not a big reader, actually I read about four to five books a, a month. So I, I really enjoy reading, but if you're not really a big reader, one of the ones that, that really stood out to me that was really simple. But it just breaks everything down is uh, j l. Collins a simple path to wealth and uh and it, it, he he writes it it's, it's real funny he talks about him and his daughter he talks about uh, what he calls F.U. money <laughs> where you basically save up enough to where you can just tell your employer, well you know I have enough money so f you I guess <laughs> but, <All right. laughs> uh, but but it, it's it's funny it's entertaining to read, but it just it just breaks it down into like, you know what, you really only need two or three funds and that's it. So that one, that one really stands out to me. Um, I think the one that I read a long time ago that I actually reviewed on my blog, not that long ago was David Bach, uh, B-A-C-H his automatic millionaire book. And that's, that's just basically what I talked about, you know, taking money every week or every month and just automatically saving it, you know, going. You know, going online. If you have Vanguard, Fidelity, Schwab, setting it up to where it automatically comes out of your account every single month, and and you will trust me, you will learn to live without it. And if you want to know how much to invest every month, it's got to be where it makes you uncomfortable.
2: No pain, no gain.
3: Yeah. Once you're uncomfortable with it, then you know you're investing enough. So, most people will get paid, pay their taxes, spend their money, and anything left over, which it's usually not much or nothing, they'll invest. I do the opposite. I get paid. I um, take advantage of my tax tax, uh, advantage accounts, which lowers my taxes. Then I have a monthly savings goal, because it's coming out of my accounts every month. And then after that's all done, anything that's left over, I know that, hey, if we want to go on a trip or if we want to buy something, that's fine because I've I've met my goal and I'm good with it. So that's how I look at when I make larger purchases. Hey, can I buy this? Can I buy this vehicle? But keep investing in reaching my goals every month. And that's that's how I've always done it. And, and maybe that's kind of another secret to being a uh, you know seven-figure net worth person. I don't know.
2: Save first and spend later. We've heard that quite a few times.
3: Pay yourself first, yeah.
2: Exactly. So do you have a favorite quote you try to live by?
3: I think uh, whenever I was going through that whole process of, of paying off all that debt, which it actually probably took about seven, seven and a half years to pay off everything, Student loan cars and the house. Uh, I always had that, that proverb in the back of my mind, 22 seven borrower is a slave to the lender. And just, just remember that. You know what? You are a slave to the bank. You're a slave to Sally Mae. You're a slave to Chevrolet, whoever that you're paying interest to. And man, and, and, and as you know, you just got finished paying off your student loans, how much freedom that is when you're not a slave anymore.
2: It's incredible. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, you can breathe I've again. already
2: I've I've already I I haven't even gotten like a real paycheck yet, but I got paid from one of my side hustles and I was like, Oh my goodness, I have all this money now and I have nowhere for it to go.
0: Well you have something for it
3: to go. It's just not going to it's just implode. Yeah. Open open <laughs> well, up an index fund. keep living exactly. like you were and uh, Yeah, well you will be there.
2: It was the first time I didn't owe anybody anything.
3: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that, that's kind of what I did. I took all the money that I was paying on the student loan, just like you, whatever that monthly amount is, and then start investing it. And it's probably a large amount, I would think.
2: Yeah. And
3: is. you'll look up in a few years, you're like, man, I've got some serious money. <laughs> and one of the other things that, that I wanted to point out, because I think people get so hung up early on about what to invest in and what interest rate. To, to, hey, you know, I'm only gonna get 5% over here, or I'm only gonna get 7% over here, or, or 10. To be honest with you, and you can read the research, it really doesn't matter until you save up that first 100 grand. Because if you have $10,000 saved up and you're getting 10% a year, well, I mean, it's, that's a thousand bucks. Whoopee. Or you're getting 8%, that's 800 bucks. But you got $100,000 saved up. 10%, that's 10 grand. So that's when you want to start paying a little more attention to to your investing once you hit that first 100 grand. And then after that, it really starts to snowball. That's when you really start to see things happen.
0: Jeff, we've absolutely loved hanging out with you today. Do you have any other last parting piece of advice for our listeners? And then we'll say goodbye.
3: Um, focus on getting out of debt. If you have debt right now, uh, do everything you can. But I would not start own your debt, debt snowball, or paying off your debt until you have built up at least a thousand bucks or a couple thousand bucks in emergency fund and really attack that debt. And then, man, when you look up and you don't have any more payments anymore and you start applying those to start investing that, you will be well on your way to a seven-figure net worth millionaire before you know it.
0: Money clan movie hack with jeff you can check out his website it's debtfreedoctor.com and definitely focus on paying yourself first and figuring out what your next steps are i highly recommend you check out his website it's a really great resource